when it comes to the Last Dance documentary, and they were talking about Jordan's flu game. Turns out it was the food poisoning game. One of the guys who made Michael Jordan's pizza that worked at that pizza pie place, he said he called into a radio show and was talking about it, how he said he no one poisoned the pizza. He is the one that made it, and he didn't want his other people to make it that he was working with because he didn't want them to mess with it. He like came out to say, I made it so the other guys wouldn't mess with it and poison it. If you say that, don't you? Isn't that an immediate red flag that someone probably poisoned it? <laughs> yeah, especially when, from all accounts for the Bulls team, yeah, they're like, yeah, he was hurting, he was not feeling well. <laughs> Local man Craig Craig Fight posted on Facebook Monday that he was the one who had not only delivered the pizza, but he was the one who made it with his own hands that night, and he said he made it. And I have comments from him. I want to play it for you coming up here. I'm just running out of time a little bit here. I want to play these comments for you where he literally says, he's like, I made it so the other guys wouldn't mess with it. Well, if you uh, come out right away and say that, I immediately raise an eyebrow and have like a red flag is thrown up. In these trying times, I'm going to have to question, was he washing his hands? Oh, no. Did he have a mask on while he's making it? Nelly, if you you were, let's say – well, this is a bad comparison because you don't really care for the NBA. But put yourself in the shoes of a Utah Jazz fan. Utah don't really got much going for it in professional sports, right? Or college sports. Or college sports. What's your one big thing to hang your hat on? I think it's the Jazz, mostly. Especially then. You're do, the they have hun- a, do they have an MLS team? Yes. Real Salt Lake. But, again. <clears throat> BYU. <clears throat> I think the Utah Jazz is the one that's probably the most especially when you had Carl Malone and John Stockton. Like, that's the thing you gravitate towards. Never had an NBA championship, and this is your best chance. Let's say you get the call and Michael Jordan says he wants a pizza. Does the thought cross your mind to mess with this pizza? Does the thought cross your mind to, just, I don't know, maybe just I don't know, sprinkle a little something, something on there to ensure that Carl Malone, John Stockton, and the Utah Jazz can get a win? No. Doesn't cross your mind? No. I would just try to be the one that delivered it. <laughs> Would you let the four or five other hanger-ons come with you? If they wanted autographs, too. <laughs> then come on in. Get into my little Geo Metro here. Well, Let's another, go. Another thing I think we need to, to ask is how long did it take for him to get this pizza? Did it take him like an extra 30 minutes because they had to go out and buy whatever they had to? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Well, we're going to play his comments coming up here. I think it was Pizza Hut because he said he was a former Pizza Hut employee. This could not be a good look for Pizza Hut. But let's be honest with ourselves. Pizza Hut really hasn't had a good look in the past 10 years. Maybe even longer. What happened to you, Pizza Hut? They changed their sauce. What happened to you? Used to be the You used to be the king. Creme de la creme. I don't know if I would say king. Oh, I'm going back to like when I was... This is when you were still crapping in diapers now. Dodgeville Pizza Hut was the truth. It was the number one selling pizza in the state. Now, the guy named Craig that made the pizza called in and chad who called in our show just a little bit ago he said yo when i i read the article i listened to the comments it raised more questions than it answered and i said yes it totally did i want to play you the comments coming up from this craig guy who it's just former pizza hut employee <laughs> maybe that was the start of the downfall of pizza hut nelly it was in 19 when was that again 1997 the nba finals maybe that's when the decline of pizza hut started to happen that's a long time ago. When they poisoned Michael Jordan. <laughs> uh, so I asked Nelson, I said, all right, let's put yourself in the, in the shoes of a Utah Jazz fan. 
you really don't have much going on for you in Utah. All you got is some good scenery. That's that's about it in Utah, right? Some good scenery? Sure. If you're into that kind of thing. If you're into scenery, well, you know, I like hiking. I like camping. I like the scenery. You got some good scenery in Utah. Other than that, what are you gravitating towards? BYU? Utah State? What, what are you gravitating towards? It would be the Utah Jazz. You got Carl Malone. You got John Stockton. You got the Jazz. NBA Finals. They reign almost supreme. They're second best just behind the Bulls. But in Utah, here's your one chance. You got Michael Jordan. You're staying in a hotel. You're the only pizza joint open. This is your chance to celebrate an NBA title. What do you do? You get the call. Michael Jordan wants a pizza. What do you do? Do you mess with his airness? I make the pizza as fast as possible. Do you mess with his airness, though? As best as possible. And I say I deliver it. No, you bring the five guys with you? If they want to come with. Then we're going to try our best. But you're not splitting any tips, though, right? Yeah, then we're going to try our best to get autographs. Here are the comments from, this comes from The Big Show with Jake and Scott and Gordon Munson. Munson, something like that. This comes from The Big Show. So thanks for their audio. I'm going to play it for you. This is the guy who called in to say his side of the story about Jordan's flu game. Here you go. Here you go. Craig, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Hey, we are doing great. And uh, in lining up, you coming on the show with us today, uh, you've told us that you, in fact, were the person that delivered the pizza to Michael Jordan that night in 1997. Tell us your story. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so uh, we obviously won't... uh, name the company that I was working for, but I, you know, I hear about the late night stuff and it was two o'clock in the morning, all those kind of things. It was towards the evening, uh, that we got a call and our delivery guys were, uh, everybody up in park city was aware of where the bulls were. They'd already been up there for what, three or four days. So when you're working in the restaurant business up there, you, you obviously, you know, what's going on when something big like that's going on, you know, who, where they're yeah. at. So we went ahead and the guy all of a sudden motioned me over because he knew I was the only Bulls fan in the in the store. I had so best waiters, I should say, uh, <laughs> with everybody in the store on it. And so uh, he comes over and he goes, hey, I, I think it's the Bulls. And he goes, I, I don't know why, but if I heard so-and-so correct, and I can't remember who he was speaking with, but someone that worked over at the Marriott, he goes, it, it, it might be you know one of the players. Okay, good. I said, you know what, I, I had just started there about – Three or four weeks earlier, I'd been hired as an assistant manager. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I, I go, oh, well, I'm delivering it. In fact, I may have been the manager on duty. I shouldn't have left the store. I don't know. I could have gotten in trouble for that. But I was like, hey, I will make the pizza. Here and I go. remember saying this. I will make the pizza because I don't want any of you doing anything to it. And I said, and then, and then I told the driver, I said, you're going to take me there. It'll be my first delivery. And I was like, oh. So hmm. I go ahead and I make the pizza. And for everybody's, everyone's wondering what he ate. I've been telling this to everybody. It was a large, thin and crispy, extra pepperoni pizza. Ooh. So uh, I went ahead. I made the pizza. And, uh, in fact, I kind of geeked out a little bit watching. I was making sure that it didn't, you know, it didn't puff up. It was a good pizza because, of course, it's for Michael. So I've got to – I had no idea at the time it was for Michael. But I had to – you know, you assume it's for someone up there. And so I went ahead and we made the pizza and cooked it and – Got in there, and so we went ahead and, and hopped in with the driver, and we head over to where they were staying. 
everybody knows they were staying at the base of, in Park City at the Main Street, down where the Marriott had just been built. It wasn't too uh, too old at that time. So from there, uh, you have to go in through security, and so the <laughs> security at the Marriott. And I'll be nice since I'm on the radio. Since the the crap story that the guy said that there were five people, there was two of us, and and I didn't even have that many people working at the time at the store, but there was only two of us. You had police car, if I remember correctly, being hmm. parked in there, and you had to identify yourself. We're dressed in all of our uniforms. Both of us are in uniform, and it's clear where we're coming from. Walk in, security guy looks at us, says, great, go ahead, go on in. So I go ahead, and, and obviously the pizza has basically never left me. It's been around me the whole time. And so we get into there, and as soon as you walk into the room or into the building, you could start to smell the uh, cigar smoke. <laughs> and we get in onto the uh, uh, elevator and go up to, it was on the second or third floor. I think it was the second floor. Anyway, we get up there and boy, as soon as that door opened, I mean, it felt like, you know, got punched in the face with cigar smoke. <clears throat> but there were, there were guys going around and one of the players, I want to say it was one of the players and forgive me guys, this was quite a few years ago, but I remember one of the players saying, oh, hey, pizza. And they, who's that for? And I said, I don't know. It's room. And, and I can't remember the room number, but I said, it's room this. And they went, oh, for Mike, oh, leave it alone. And then they, you know, they walk on and thanks, man, or whatever. So we go over and I knock on the door. And then this great guy who, who's been saying all this crap lately. <laughs> I'm sure he's a good guy. But anyway, he, he answers the door, barely opens up the door and looks out. And, say, and I said, hey, identify the company I was with. And here's the pizza delivery. And uh, he goes, okay, hold on. And then he shuts the door. And then he goes ahead. And from there, he, you know, he obviously got some money. And I forget the, the, the pizza costs like. 15 bucks or something like that. Did he tip? And he opens up the door. He kind of hands me 20. This time he opens the door up a little bit more, and I can hear some commotion going in there. And he hands me the 20 and made a gesture to me. He said, you know, you obviously keep the change or whatever. And I'm handing him the pizza, and I said, hey, can I at least say hi to Mike? You know, why not? It's my one shot, right? Shoot or shoot. And uh, the door kind of opens up a little bit more. Mike's in the room sitting at the chair. He's playing cards or whatever. And uh, raised his hand. He said, thanks, man. And then the guy looked at me and shut the door. And that's the extent of the whole story. I, of course, go back and everyone's giving me, uh, you know, oh, hey, way to go, whatever. And did you see him? And, you know, tell the story from there. And then the next day I, I had the day off because the game, because that was, if I remember correctly, it was a Tuesday night, I think. And then they played Wednesday night, if I remember right. And so I had that night off because I was going to watch the game. And, of course, Bob Costas comes up and says that he got food poisoning from pizza or whatever. So I was <laughs> No, I he didn't. He said it flu-like symptoms. Of course, you know, the, the funny thing about this whole scenario is uh, uh, my son's named after Michael Jordan. So it's kind of funny. But anyway, so that's the basic story what? of what happened. All right. All right. Yeah, I have some questions, questions here. A lot of questions. This guy, first of all, he goes out of his way to say, I'm making the pizza so no one messes with it. Right there is a red flag, right? Yes. And also when he's talking, he goes, I'm making this for Michael. But he also said he didn't know. Who, yeah. He said he didn't know who it was, who it was for. for. Hmm. I got a lot of questions here. And then he goes on to say, well, my son's named after Michael Jordan. So what? Your kid's name's Michael? I'm pretty sure that's like the most popular name in America if you have a son named or, Michael. My brother's name is Michael. My uncle's name is Michael. My middle name is Michael. Or how do you <laughs> how do you walk into a hotel and go, 
Yep, that smells like cigar. Must be Michael Jordan's yep. pizza out of the whole hotel. This guy sounds shady, dude. And he proclaims he's the only Bulls fan like living in Utah. Yep, right when I walked into that hotel, I smelled cigar. Yep, must no, it was, be, this must, be, must be Michael's cigar and pizza. So he says at first that he knew it was for Michael, except then when he says he gets into the hotel, he doesn't know who it's for. But uh, this guy's story stinks. Like, apparently, Michael Jordan cigars when you walk into a hotel. By the way, Michael Jordan, just if this is true, just I love how Michael Jordan's pounding cigars before practices, before NBA Finals games, pounding pizza with extra pepperoni on it before a finals game. I absolutely love it. This guy's story, now something ain't adding up in the story, Nelly. I think the extra pepperoni is what might be the uh, the real issue if that was the actual pizza that he ordered. I ordered a pizza last night. You know what I got? Pepperoni and jalapeno. Not extra pepperoni, just pepperoni and jalapeno. Maybe that's why I got my guts a little something today. Those spicy jalapenos, you know? This guy's story stinks a little bit. Are you buying it? He said, first of all, I'm a Bulls fan, and I knew it was for Mike, so I was going to make it, but then I didn't know it was for Mike. And then, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say hi to Mike. I smelled the cigar smoke. My kid's named after Mike. Yeah, or just from the very start when he's like, we figured it might be a player's on the Bulls. Yeah. Something like, about- his story started out super vague, and then all of a sudden, as it went on, it was like, definitely this is Mike's. Something about this story ain't right. I don't know if I believe. I got, like Chad who called in earlier in the show today, he said his comments brought up more questions than it answered. I agree. There's still more from this guy. I kind of want to talk. Uh, I'm going to go listen to it during the break, see if there's anything relevant. If not, we'll bury this pizza. What is the ultimate topping, though? Michael Jordan eats extra pepperoni. Sounds pretty good. If it's true. If it's true. You're not an extra pep kind of guy? No. No? I'm, I, I, I get down with some extra pep. Hmm. Jalapenos and pepperoni, though. That is my go-to. My favorite pizza would be Canadian bacon. Really? I'm big. Do you put pineapple on it, too? No. Ooh. See, I'm a big fan of the Hawaiian pizza. I think his story kind of stinks. I think we need to get Michael Jordan on the show to see if he's an extra pepperoni guy. Apparently, to this guy, according to this guy who made and delivered the pizza, Michael Jordan's pizza he ordered was, was a large pizza with extra pepperoni on it. Didn't he say thin and crispy? Thin and crispy. Extra pepperoni. Now, I do love me some thin and crispy pizza. Also love me some hand-tossed. Not really a big fan of the deep dish. But the extra crispy, thin extra crispy, that's some good eating right there, boy. But here's more from the guy who made the pizza. His name's Craig, and he was on the big show on the Zone Sports Network in Utah. So here's more comments from him. And uh, we're going to kind of just we're gonna dive in a little bit here and try and solve this. So... A couple things. Can you tell us uh, what time? Do you remember specifically what time this delivery was made? I, I the whole thing. My wife had to kind of remind me, but it was in. It now was, now his wife's involved. Ten o'clock, ten thirty, because we were the only. There's only at that time. There's only a couple of companies that were still open okay. that delivered pizza, and okay. so we were we were open till so we didn't we weren't open later than normal for them for any reason so. It was before 11, but I want to say it was just after around or after 10 o'clock. Because I remember it being towards the end of the shift, and I didn't mind leaving. Okay, so, and you made the pizza yourself? Oh, yeah. I was, it was kind of a running joke, because I said, hey, let me wash my hands. I'm going to make this pizza, because I wasn't on the table. And then, so then after that, for 
months after that while I was working there still, everyone's like, well, whatever you do, don't wash your hands. You get someone sick. So it was kind of a running gag. Hmm. So, so okay, so the, and there was no indication for any of the ingredients that you put on that pizza that there was anything tainted, poisoned, uh, bad in any way, shape, no. or well, I would tell you this. We we obviously delivered lots of, not lots of pieces, but enough up in Park City at that time frame because there were lots of people still up there. And so we delivered more than enough pizzas. And, of course, when this whole thing happened, I got called by the district manager saying, okay, if, if one guy got sick, how many others are we going to have to deal with? Uh, and hmm. no, but there were no other reports. Nobody else got sick. In fact, later on, a few years later, I had talked to a few people that had gotten pizza that night too and who knows how much truth's in it but they're like no it was fine yes so didn't he say he uh, made the pizza yes and it was his first time he was making a pizza and delivering it yes but now all of a sudden they were making and delivering a bunch of pizzas yeah but he was saying this was the end of the shift and this was the first and only pizza he had made or delivered and yes now the story's changing a little bit folks here's some more Plus, it's a thin and crust, thin crisp pepperoni pizza. It, it's tough to get food poisoning off a of pizza unless you, unless of course, obviously you add something to it. But that didn't happen because it sure as heck didn't leave my hands. Huh? You did this guy literally just say that you can't get sick off a thin and crispy pepperoni pizza? This guy's story ain't adding up, bro. I'm telling you, this guy. Listen to his voice too. He sounds a little nervous. His voice sounds a little shaky. Someone could be lying. But when he mentions the the pizza, you can't get food poisoning from pizza unless you put something on it. Yeah. Now, I'm kind of with him. It's hard to get food poisoning with pizza, but you put pepperoni on it. That's a meat. Mm Mm-hmm. Extra pepperoni, by the way. And who knows if it was spicy. (sighs) You think MJ's a spice kind of guy? I could see it. All right, here's more from this, this, this pizza man. Can you tell us the name? I know you're hesitant to do it, but can you tell us the name of the company we're working for? Uh, well, I, I hesitate just because I don't know what. I have no problem telling it. I've told everybody. I, I, it was Pizza Hut. They had their Tip own classic. store up there. No doubt it was and Pizza it was, Hut. So when he the, acts store, like the, store small, was, the store was in Park City. What happened to Pizza Hut, by yeah, the way? It's, it's moved. It, it had its own place over right beside the high school, and then they've, it's torn down now. They have a delivery-only place now, but... Yeah, they had their own, we had our own uh, dine-in store at the time. It's right across from a 7-Eleven there. You know, Craig, and Craig Fight is with us who uh, delivered that pizza to Michael Jordan before Game 5 of uh, the 97 NBA Finals. You know, one of the rumors out there is that uh, Michael actually went on the Learjet to Vegas and uh, was partying, uh, part- partying Spit it and out. that is the reason that he was uh, under the weather the next day. And uh, just to kind of dispel that, you guys don't uh, or didn't at the time deliver pizzas to Las Vegas, right? He was, in fact, in Park City. <laughs> This guy's an idiot. No, I didn't have any. Uh, I didn't have any any connections to Las Vegas at the time, and I'm pretty dang sure that was him. You guys delivered to Vegas man. from Utah, do you? <laughs> okay, so when and when you hear these stories, <laughs> you really think Michael Jordan was partying in Las Vegas the night, night before, before an NBA Finals Game Six? Now I could see him golfing, like the morning before. Or the- do you remember earlier in the documentary? When he's freaking out that Dennis Rodman is doing different things yeah. during the season. Yeah. Or during the finals during when he went to go finals, wrestle with Hulk Hogan. Or during the finals earlier. In that, the NWO. You think Michael Jordan's going to Las Vegas? So this guy, this guy proclaims he's the only Bulls fan in Utah 
named his kid after Michael Jordan. How many people do you know that are named Michael or Jordan? It's got to be a majority of the freaking population. And then he's saying that they didn't know who it was for, but then when he walks in the hotel, he knew it was for Mike. Based on cigar smell from, from the from hotel the cigar lobby. Smell. This, guy, this guy's story flip-flops more than a politician. And then he says he can't remember the room number that a sports idol was in or the floor. I don't know about this guy, dude. This guy, this guy, I don't know. <laughs> from the trainer who this, I have a quote here from him, not from the last night's show, but uh, we quote 100% it was food poisoning. 100%, he said. To that, oh, yeah, I, say, I, that's a bunch of crap. Uh, well, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, well, great. Did you get it? diagnosed did you go to the doctor and find out no all this is innuendo on their part and they're this like guy. of course it was food poison but he'd already been as everyone knows i when i what i one thing i remind everybody is he was smoking so many cigars they had windows open he didn't have a shirt on or he's in a tank top or whatever okay okay this guy's saying what does it matter if he's got a shirt on or not in his hotel room who cares michael jordan literally smokes cigars like every day before any practice or any game <laughs> he had already won he had already won Five NBA titles smoking cigars. This guy, I don't believe this and guy at all. And eating the same pizza. And eating pizza. All the guys were, they, but as you guys know darn good and well, at around 3 to 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Park City, <laughs> the sun's gone behind that mountain, so it gets colder up there than it does. I don't know. What? T. Lenoye on Twitch. The takeaway here is we're interviewing a pizza delivery guy. Well, here's the thing, T. You might have came in late. He's actually, he was an assistant manager. This is the first time he delivered a pizza and made a pizza. He's the one managing those drivers. What the temperature was, but chances are he had this, or they could have brought him food from somewhere else if it really was food poisoning. But that pizza was made well. I followed all the rules. Heck, I was at the time. I was so busy trying to impress to become the store manager there. I, you know, I followed all the rules and all the food handlers' permits, all that kind of crap. I would hope so. It's your job. Okay. Have you ever had food poisoning? I have not, I, I have once. You and get it, it immediately, don't and you? It was it was from Chinese food in college. Don't you get it like very quickly? And it was like maybe a couple hours after, and I just felt super sick for like the rest of that night. Yeah, and was and puked a few times, and then felt better. So it was like maybe a day tops where you just feel completely crappy. Sure, this guy is saying but that maybe food- why you don't go to the doctor anyways. No. This guy's saying that Michael Jordan was sick from food previously in the day. Well, wasn't he getting a pizza because he hadn't ate for so long and he was starving? That's what he says in the documentary. And if you were to eat, or let's say he ate at lunch because he hadn't ate you know, throughout the night, so he's hungry. If he ate lunchtime, let's say it's around noon, wouldn't he have gotten food poisoning from whatever he ate earlier in the day before 10 o'clock at night? Yeah, I mean, that's a 10-hour window if you ate at noon. This guy's story stinks to high heaven. And I I just think it's funny. He's like, I just tried to make it the best I could, and I was doing my best. And like, was like, because I wanted to impress Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan Mike. would never think of you ever again if it was a bad or good pizza. And here's the thing, though. He said in the first part of his interview, they didn't even know who the pizza was for. He didn't even know it was for Mike. This Unbelievable. Guy, this, guy, this guy is a liar. Nelson, do you think that baseball is going to have a season this year? 
Man, the longer this drags out, I don't, but I'm going to still be positive and say, yes, they get half a season Look in. at Nelson being positive. Here we go, baby. All right. I feel like there's just too much money. Like, yeah. how long can the players actually hold out until they're like, well, we're not going to get paid at all? Well, if you're the likes of, I don't know, Bryce Harper, who else was uh, talking crap? Blake Snell. If you're the likes of those guys, I think you can hold up for a while. But if you're the up-and-comer kind of guys who aren't making anything, what's Keston Hero making? A little less than $600,000. Oh, I think he'll be fine. <laughs> but some of those other guys, like, if you're a minor league baseball player, you're doomed. What are you going to do? There's, there's no minor, I mean, there's going to be no minor league. So here you go, players. This is from former Atlanta Braves great Tom Ooh. Glavin. Yes? I was thinking about reaching out to Jeff Cirillo again and having him on the show to talk about yeah, let's uh, do it. You know this upcoming season, if there is one, and how some of these guys are holding out because he was actually breaking into the league right around that 94-95 MLB strike time. I'm down. Yeah, we've had uh, uh, Jeff on before. Throw him a line. We'll get him on. All right, this is from Tom Glavin, former Atlanta Braves great. Tom Glavin has a word of warning to baseball players when they're expressing their concern about their salaries for a potential coronavirus-affected tw- – well, not potential, it is affected – the coronavirus-affected 2020 season. Glavin says you will take the blame for the sport not resuming. And Glavin, he served as a players' union representative during the baseball strike of 94 and 95, so he, he knows what he's talking about. And he compared the situation to the current suspension of play. That was a story that was published by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on Tuesday. He said, quote, If it were to come down to an economic issue, and that's the reason baseball didn't come back, you're looking at a situation similar similar to the strike in 94 and 95 as far as the fans are concerned. Glavin would go on to say, even if players were 100% justified in what they were complaining about, they're still going to look bad. Do you agree with him on that? Yeah, 100%. Just because the offer was on the table that they could split the uh, revenue 50-50, and when fans, you know, because we're theorizing it'll be a, roughly half a season, right? What, I think in 82 games in their plan that they got proposed? Yeah, and I think I saw that it would roughly come out to probably about 40% of their normal salary. Yeah. And then fans see those actual numbers. Yep. So, like, a, a guy that makes $10 million is still going to be making $4 million for that half a season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll piss fans off when when uh, many people are out of jobs. Record number of unemployment. People are locked down in their, their homes with nothing to do. And then you've got these millionaire athletes. And so I'll throw celebrities in, too. And there's nothing worse than a celebrity who's sitting in their giant mansion crying about how they can't live a normal life. I'm sure you've got rooms you've never even seen before in that house you're crying in. Go... Go do a little exploring in your own house. I think you'll be okay. It's just bad optics when you're turning down millions of dollars to play a game. Well, like Blake Snell, he put a price on his life. Didn't he say he wasn't going to play because he was fearful of his life because of COVID-19? Yes. So but, he wasn't going to play for roughly half of his salary. But, but he was for willing to play for all of it. For the COVID-19, he said he'd be willing to play for all of his salary, not half. So it sounds like you really weren't fearing for your life if you were willing to play for all of it, just not half of it. I don't really know why he's fearing for his life to begin with over it, but more from Tom Glavin. I mean, he's a healthy individual who's in his prime, 
who has a good diet, takes vitamins, and uh, from what I can say is no health issues. I think he's going to be okay. Major League Baseball and the Players Union have been negotiating terms to start a shortened season amid the pandemic. And over the weekend, Major League Baseball released its return to play plans that we're going to talk about here coming up that address expansive COVID-19 testing, as well as travel, in-stadium adjustments, on-field changes, and a wide array of other issues. Now, the league also told reporters that it projects to lose $4 billion even if a season is played. So Major League Baseball will lose their projections for Bill, that's with a B, even if a season is played. Those financial figures relate to how much players will make this year, and the sides had agreed in March that players would make a prorated salary based on games played, but the owners voted last week, we've been talking about this, to propose salaries be based on a 50-50 split of revenue. That's, that's the 40% income, right? Yep. So... Tom Glavin said this is a unique situation, but that the revenue split to the union is a scary proposition. Yeah, they view it as a salary cap. I get it. Still, Glavin said that players should be careful not to talk too much about their pay, comparing it to the interviews he gave during the 94-95 strike season. He said the accessibility thing was a miscalculation on my part. I just felt like if I did an interview on the radio or TV, if I had five or ten minutes, I could make somebody understand what was going on and come to our side. That just wasn't going to happen. Now, he did say, again, that he shouldn't have done it. He should not have gave those interviews. I kind of agree with him. We want to know more, right? I think a lot of people want to see Major League Baseball open up their books, especially the Players Union. And we want to see, we want to see, we want to know what's going on, right? But do, don't you think it's a bad idea when two people can't get on the same page or two entities can't get on the same page to air their grievances publicly? Isn't that the worst look for both of them? Because yeah. it's going to piss all of us off. And you know what? It's even a worse look when what's the the big like motto going around out there, the slogan, we're all in this together. All in this together. Well, one, I think that, that that's bogus anyway. That is totally bogus. But if you're going to be promoting that, which a lot of these people in Hollywood or these – you know, professional athletes are promoting that we're all in this together. But then when it comes down to your money to go and play, we're we're quote unquote, obviously not all in this together because it's not enough money for you. Yeah. But But it's still millions. It's the illusion. A lot of people want to make you put the, the mask over your eyes. It's the illusion that we're all in this together. Trust me. We're not. Yeah. You aren't paying my bills if I needed something me, to be paid. Me, you, you know, average Joe out there, your blue collar worker. There's we're not we're not in it the same as the white collar, as the millionaire athlete, as the big time celebrity. They live a different life than we do. The majority of us, we are the ones that are stepped on, and stepped over. So we're it's the illusion of it. Anyways, yeah, you're totally right. Tom Glavin, the fact that they, the optics of this is all bad, that they don't have, why air this out publicly? It's already out in the open, so, I mean, we're going to get mad about it. So Glavin said, he also acknowledged that the apprehension for players that comes with the possibility of spreading the virus is also there. He said, I understand that a big part of, for all of us is getting back to our normal life is to have sports back, but you can't dismiss a player's concern for his health or his family's health any more than you would dismiss your own concerns. And that is totally true. So that's why I still I love the quote from a Bronx tale where Sonny the gangster asks the kid about his hero and he yeah. says it's Mickey Mantle. 
And then he basically says, well, you really shouldn't look up to him. Yeah. Because if your if your father can't go pay the rent, go ask Mickey Mantle and see what he says to you. And Mickey Mantle's going to say get lost. Kid, exactly. If you can even get to him. This is the yeah, this is the same exact situation with the we're all in this together. Yeah. When they're turning down millions to still play half a season. Yeah, when you can't afford your rent or your mortgage, go to go to Blake Snell. Go to Bryce Harper. Go to one of these guys. Like, yo, man, you're my idol. Can you help me out? I can't get to my or, mortgage. They're yeah. gonna tell you to get lost if they even if they even look at your message. And they have the opportunity to still go out and work when what is it? Roughly a third of the U.S. population is being told they can't work. Yeah. So Glavin would go on to say, obviously, and I agree with him here. You can't dismiss a player's concern for their well-being and their health and their family's health. You can't. You can't put a price on people's health. I get that. The, Glavin also goes on to say, if I was playing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, I 100% get that. If you are 100%, I'm not going to play no matter what this year, as long as COVID 19 is out there. I get it. Like, it's totally. when you start to say, I'm not playing for half a salary, but I'll play for my but full. I'll play for the full. Then that whole argument of being scared for your life is thrown right out the window. Yeah, then you start losing me. <laughs> Glavin goes on to say, if I was playing today, I wouldn't say, hell no, I'm not playing. But of course, I'd have a concern that once you step out that door and you go back into that world, there's a chance you're bringing something home to your family. It's 100% fair for players, coaches, and everyone to be concerned about that, which I totally agree with. Glavin, who said he is happy not to be a player or have union responsibilities given this crisis on this time, noted that he is looking forward to sports return. You got some more comments. I'll read from him first, but let's go to the phone. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the Joe Nebo Show. Who do I got? This is Bill. Hey, Bill. What's up, man? Hey, don't you see a little bit of the side from a pitcher? I mean, they've, got, they've only got so many pitches on an arm. Totally. That's the only thing what you guys are talking about. I mean, I get the, you know, I get a Bryce Harper, but, you know, a pitcher, I kind of, you know. Yeah, because they, yeah, they got wear and tear on him. You could get Tommy Johns. I understand that. I get that. Blake Snell put a price on his life that's saying he would do it for a full contract and not a half a contract. That's, that's the one thing that he loses me on. Well, I think he's, I think he's using the – don't you think he's using the COVID-19 thing to, uh, to get his full contract? I mean, I doubt he's really afraid for his life in either case. Oh, well, he, he actually just signed a five-year extension in 2019. So his argument about not getting the money – in baseball, it's all guaranteed. So, yeah, he's, and he's playing half a season, and he'd get, what, 40% under this new deal? Uh, hey, you know what? I'm not – you know what? I just – all I'm saying is it's like a running back. Yeah. A pitcher, a pitcher has a shelf life. That's all I'm saying. And, and you know, you know the rest of these guys, you know, I can't figure out how Ryan Brown gets hurt all the time. <laughs> I mean, he must really be brittle. You know, <laughs> what does he do to get hurt? I mean, keepers. I, I think it's, uh, he stretches his leg out a little too far, and pop goes the hammy. Or well, he but, swings a little too hard, and my oblique oh! – but Snell, you know, I get that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes with pitchers, and I have a feeling that behind the scenes, these trainers do a lot with these pitchers to have them pitch every, you know, five or six days. Yeah. Bill, and, and, and so that one I get a little bit. I hate to say it, and I'm – No, that's you know, okay, Bill. You can, I, we open all opinions here. You're burning, I'll never silence anyone's transmission. <laughs> so anyways, but I hope they open, guys. Yeah, Bill, watch, do, you think, do you think the longer this goes on, though? I mean, what do you think of a Major League Baseball season? What's your gut telling you right now? I think they're going to open because I watched NASCAR on Sunday and I had fun watching it. You liked I, it? How was it? I didn't watch. It was good. I, what else am I going to do? 
it's raining, it's raining out. Yeah. You know? What did uh, I do? My my wife. What did I do? I helped her pack because she's on. A, she was like she's gonna go on a little vacay coming up here. Good for her. Well, anyway, I just you know. I feel you, Bill. Yeah, they got a shelf life. That's for sure. So that's the only thing is I get Snell. I mean, I don't like how we phrased it, but you know these guys they're not paid for their brains. <laughs> You're totally right on that one, Bill. So, All right, take care, buddy. Have a good one. Bye. See ya. Well, if we're going to touch on, like, he talks about pitchers there. Like, if we're going to use Blake Blake Snell as the uh, the example, right? Yeah. He just signed the contract in 2019, so he's he's under contract for the next five years. If he, say, came back and it's August and they're playing half a season and he blew, blew out his uh, shoulder. Yeah, so if he gets comes back and he gets hurt. Yep. He's under contract for the next four seasons after this. It's guaranteed money, whether he's pitching or he's rehabbing. So he'll still get his contract when he's he will, rehabbing. Yeah, he will still make, say, $10 million the next year while he's doing nothing but rehabbing his shoulder. So he'll still get his money So there, since the guaranteed contracts in baseball. The only people that would really be screwed in this situation would be people that were on the last year of their deal or a one-year deal, and then they blew their arm out, and you'd be looking to be rehabbing yeah, then all next then year. Then someone would sign you, but it would be for far less if no, you do get signed. Like, that's such a – one, that's such a small population of players, and two, the odds that it, it the odds that it even happened are even smaller. Yeah. All right, let's go back to the phone, 608-321-1670. Welcome to the Joan Ebo Show. Who do I got? Sean. Who's this? Sean. Hey, what's up, Sean? How you living, brother? Uh, I'm on my way back to work. So that a boy. Right. How long you been off for, man? I'm glad to see you back working. It got to feel good. Like five weeks, man. It was insane. How it was, was it? Tell me. Get, go me through the five weeks. How was it? It was ridiculous. Well, I caught up on a bunch of sleep I haven't gotten in the last <laughs> five years, so that kind of helped. You can't really bank that, though, Sean. No, no, I know, I know. My wife doesn't want me going back to work because she really enjoyed having a house husband coming home to cook meals and clean houses. Ooh, the house husband. How about that? A, sh- a chef who was laid off for a little bit. Were you, like, throwing down in the kitchen or you said, this is my time to unwind? You're going to get a frozen pizza and you're going to like it. Oh, no, no, no. There was there was some pretty, if I do say so myself, pretty intricate meals made for the wife unit when she oh, got home. Lucky lady. <laughs> So what you were saying, though, about everyone with celebrities and everything, I think there should be a salary cap in general. If you make over, I'm going to say, $500,000 a year, shut up. <laughs> we don't want to hear you talk about anything. Hearing the celebrities, hearing the, the sports guys, just everyone, shut up. You're not helping anyone. <clears throat> You're going to sprain your shoulder, patting yourself on the back. We're not all in this together. We're all in this. We're, God, it's just so aggravating. Sean, Every a- commercial that's on, and let me, you know, other things too, like Burger King doesn't give a crap about you. They're still a multi-billion dollar company. You know what I mean? Just yeah. stop. Sean, let me ask just- you, man, as a guy who was laid off, who lost his job, for, I'm so glad you're back to work, by the way, a guy who lost his job for five weeks, when you turned the TV on to see a millionaire athlete or celebrity say, we're in this together, what did you think? It infuriated me. I think I probably ended up breaking two or three teeth, just grinding my teeth, listening to these <laughs> jack wagons tell me about how, you know, oh, we're better off, you know, just socially distanced. That's another term. If I hear the term social distancing one more time, I'm not responsible for what I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's just absolutely ridiculous. What's the worst? New nor- uh, this new normal social distance. We're all in this together. Or what, what's the other oh. one, Nelson? Uh, in these trying times. In these trying times, that's another one. And just, 
Oh, it's just utterly ridiculous. I mean, the rest of us are sitting home, you know, saying, wow, luckily my wife works for a construction company, so she's, she hasn't had a day off mm-hmm. <laughs> this whole time. So, but I just, we're all stuck. We're all, I mean, regardless of what you want to say, we're all scared about what's going to happen. We're all scared about what life's going to look like in a couple months. Just shut up. Shut up and dance for me, monkey. That's what you get paid for. So tired of it. But anyway, I, I'm just, I'm glad that things are at least starting to get back to normal in Wisconsin. At least we had a Supreme Court that realized that things need to work the right way. So, and following your posts on uh, Facebook, Man, you got some crazy followers, Bo. Hey, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, bro. I will never ever silence anyone's transmission. I don't care what your opinion is. I will. I will listen and I will sit down and I will try to find if, uh, like, maybe a, you know we can agree on something. But I will never fly off the handle, block someone, call them all kinds of crazy names. And that's what happens on my Facebook account, man. I like hearing all kinds no. of people's opinions, but I will and never. I will never block or silence your opinion. And if it gets racist or something, sure, that's different. But I'm talking about. Like people flying off the handle about stuff, it's crazy out there. I'll literally just post numbers from the Department no, of lo- Health Services. I love, I love reading the posts because uh, so many people on both sides of the argument post different links to different things, and I like going to them and reading them and kind of trying to inform my own opinion. I also like that all your posts are about 60% fact and 40% troll. I think that's the perfect amount. So, <laughs> I do like to thanks troll. Thanks for keeping me entertained. <laughs> Yeah, man. I'm glad you're back at work, man. It's good stuff. See you, brother. Good stuff there from Sean. Yeah, like in times like these, the only people you should be looking out for are yourself, your family, and your friends. That's it. I always ask this. Who's going to protect? When it comes time to pay your bills, who's going to protect you? You? Or someone else? Who, who's going to protect you, Nelson? Are you going to look out for yourself, or are you going to let someone else look out for you? No offense, man, but I'm not going to be paying your bills. I ain't paying yours either. If you watched The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, in that game in Utah, the flu game, well, Michael Jordan said, actually, it's the food poisoning game. He ordered a pizza. It was from a pizza hut in Utah. It was one of the only places open, and the guy who made the pizza and delivered it called into a Utah radio show uh, yesterday or Monday and to share his side of the story. And we played the clips, the comments earlier, and the more this guy talked, the more the story stank to high heaven. He was saying that he was an assistant manager, he hadn't made any pizzas, and he saw that the Chicago Bulls or someone from the Bulls had put an order in, and he wanted to do it because he was such a big, big Chicago Bulls fan. So he washed his hands, he scrubbed up, he made, he kneaded the dough, he threw it around, he put the sauce on, and he threw on some pepperoni and then some extra pepperoni because Michael Jordan ordered extra a, a, a pizza with extra pepperoni. Allegedly. This guy remembered every single detail of the pizza that he allegedly made. But as the story kept going on, things in that story started to change. All of a sudden, it became less believable. Right, Nelly? Yeah, things started contradicting themselves. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the stuff he was saying, it was a lot of assumptions. Ask yourself this. Do you remember a pizza vividly that you ate 23 years ago? 
Absolutely not. Do you remember? Do you remember what I was, you we ate? We were talking about when I was in college, when I was trying yeah. to remember what the frozen pizzas were at Quick Trip. I couldn't even remember the name then. <laughs> do you remember specifically a pizza you ate 23 years ago? To, to the T, because this guy did. And the more he talked about it, the more like, this guy's story is just, it's a tall tale. I mean, I maybe some people can do it because, right, we all know that one person that can remember every single game or was at every single game. Yeah, like Rain Man. Or something like that. Uh-huh. But when this guy spoke, he didn't sound like one of those type of people. <laughs> he didn't. He sounded very nervous when he was talking. His story started changing a lot. First, he said he was, oh, I don't know if. I don't know uh, who this pizza for. I think it's someone for the Bulls. Then he says when he got into the hotel to deliver it, he's like, it's for Michael. I know it's for Michael. He never knew. So ba- based on that, the, the front lobby of the because hotel he could smell cigars. smells like cigars. This guy's story was very because bizarre. Because Michael Jordan's the only person in the world that ever smoked a cigar. And the, one of the first things he said was, I never, I didn't poison it. <laughs> Why would you say it? Like, no one, I don't believe the guy. 608-321-167. Let's go to the phones. Welcome to the Joan Ebo Show. Who do I got? Yo, what's up, Zach? What's happening? So, uh, if that guy was Hey, Zach, 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 could, could you call? I can barely hear you. Can you call back in? How about that? Whoa. Does that work? Yeah. Well, okay. I blew my eardrums off there. Yeah, we oh, can hear you. Sorry, we can, no, sorry, no, no, right. I, I had the fader up really high. Maybe, no, we can hear you good now. All right, maybe maybe my Bluetooth's being weird. All right, anyway. What's up, brother? So, uh... If dude's an assistant manager at Pizza Hut and that was the first pizza he ever made, that is total BS. I know. His story doesn't make any sense. Because, I, I mean, as, as an assistant manager at Pizza Hut many, many, many moons ago, I can tell you I was on the line making pizzas every freaking night. Zach, man. when was that? Because we have a question about Pizza Hut. When were you on the front lines? Oh, was so it middle 90s? I had, I, had a cu- I had a couple of stints. I had a couple of stints in the late 90s, and then I had a couple of I had a couple of stints uh, about 2007 to about 2011. Perfect. My question is, what the hell happened? Okay. Because Pizza so, Hut's trash now. It used to be in the, so in the middle of the late 90s. It was awesome. Now it sucks. So it, it used to be a, a sweet sauce yeah. way back in the 90s, right? Yeah, yes. Okay, so... They changed the recipe sometime between my first stint in, like, 99 through uh, my second stint in 2007. Really? I don't know exactly what, uh, when it was, but I do know that uh, oh, it was probably 2008, 2009, Pizza Hut came out with uh, the Pizza Mia. Do you remember the yep, $5 yep. Pizza Mia? And that's when it changed. Okay, so the Pizza Mia actually used the original sauce from the 90s. And then they, everything else had changed? Everything else had changed, right. So, so what happened was the pizza sauce went away at one time, uh, and, it, and they changed it. Uh, it was probably like 2002, 2003. Then they came out with the Pizza Mia, and that's when they reintroduced the old sauce. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we sold tons of those, but probably because they were also only five bucks. Damn. I think they used, I think they they used different. Why they bro? Zach, my other question is. They used different tomatoes, and they used more sugar in the sauce because it was a much, much sweeter sauce. My question is, and when did they change their sausage from sausage to dog meat? <laughs> when did that I happen? They, I, I think they changed suppliers. <laughs> um, it used to be the creme de la creme, bro. So, so a lot of times, because there's, there's a 
there's the Italian sausage topping, there's a pork topping, and there's also a beef topping. Okay? So a lot of times... And it's all 100% rat ass. And, and a lot of times... The, the Italian sausage is actually pretty decent. It's seasoned really well. But sometimes you get a couple of uh, either newbies or whatever, they're chucking on the beef or the pork... Uh, instead of the Italian sausage, so it doesn't actually taste like Italian sausage. It's not seasoned right, and it and yeah. So, do you believe? Without, have you heard more of this guy's story? Not that I don't want to go on a tangent. I have level. heard that. I have heard this guy's story. And I think it stinks. It's it is uh, it is full of holes. It totally. is. Uh, it's not like this guy poisoned holes. it. He's got more holes in that story than a good pound block of Swiss cheese, man. <laughs> it's it's bad. Uh, I was gonna bring. Oh shoot! Now I was gonna bring something. Oh. Um, you were talking about the uh, the outcomes for uh, yeah for for you know I, I went into time and I, I saw fourteen million six hundred and five futures and uh, oh you Doctor Strange the Lions won once <laughs> is that is that the is that the same scenario when they beat uh, Thanos yes so you, fourteen million fourteen million six hundred and five scenarios the Lions win once. I just don't – well, I mean, what's more shocking to you, that the Vikings win it with such a greater margin, 48%, that the Bears are second at 21.9%, or the Lions actually got 96 So, I'm shocked that the Bears actually uh, come out ahead of the Packers. That That's the shocker. I, I think people see the value in the Vikings. Now, let's do this. I don't have uh, I don't have this schedule in front of me. How many times do the Vikings play in primetime? Oh, I, I got to pull it up. Just give me a second. Because I will tell you this, if they play more than five games in primetime, you can count all of those games as losses. Because Kirk Cousins can only play on noon on Sunday. They only play That's two. It. They play two. And how it's many, against the many, Bears and the Seahawks. How many later how many non-noon so, kickoff all right, games? So week five is their first non-noon game, and that's seven twenty against the Seahawks. That's a loss. Mark it down as a loss for the Vikings. Then Chicago. Chicago, week 10, 7-15. They don't. And then they oh, only they the Cowboys. Any, then the Cowboys on week 11, 325. And the Saints at 330, week 16. So Those only, are their only, only four have, games outside of the 12 o'clock game slot. Yeah. Man, the so NFL the majority really, of their schedule is noon, noon kickoffs for Kirk Cousins. The NFL really wants uh, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings to win the division. Don't Man, they? I the, mean, that doesn't because, bode well for the rest of the NFC North because Kirk Cousins is good at noon. He sucks at every other time. Good. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I, what, the first week of the playoffs against uh, – was it, it was the Saints, right? I remember going on – Yes, they uh, beat the – yes. I remember because that was a noon game on a Sunday on the road, and I remember saying to one of the Yokel national radio hosts, saying Kirk Cousins is not going to lose that game because it's a noon kickoff on a Sunday. I go, he's going to win that game, and then he's going to end up playing San Francisco, and they're going to get throttled because it was a Saturday night game. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, the Kirk, Kirk Cousins Kirk, has some so bizarre weird stats. He wins. He wins. He's a habitual winner at noon. Anything at noon, else? It's, not, not. It's ridiculous because it's 87%. If I remember, if I remember my stats right, he wins eighty-seven percent of the time on on noon kickoffs on Sunday, which is ridiculous. Yeah, but he cannot, and it, I I think he's zero for the century on anything other than a noon kickoff. Yeah, I think well, I saw something like I think I talked about it last year where someone was talking about how they think Kirk Cousins might have like a 
OCD type uh, routine thing where he loves the noons because that's like his normal routine. And when he gets out of it, he can't handle it. Well, everyone in the NFL, those professional athletes, they love structure. Yeah, no, I mean, because when he was playing with Washington, when he would do the, the East Coast to West Coast and they'd have the 3 o'clock kickoff, because those West Coast games are 3 o'clock or 3.30 kickoffs, he stunk. He was bad. Yeah. So, now, yeah, it, it, I, I really think the NFL is trying to favor him. Now, if they end up flexing the Vikings, you know, because they do have the ability to flex the Vikings into different spots. Yeah, and they very well could flex some games. That's so there, there are some opportunities for the Vikings to lose more, especially if they're having a good first half of the season. Mm-hmm. They could flex them into afternoon or they could flex them into Sunday night game, and that might help the Packers. Yep, so no keep doubt. that in mind, guys. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Lions, for the Lions to win 9%, that's ridiculous. <laughs> for the Bears to win 21%, also ridiculous. But I think having the Bears in second in the division at, at the uh, 21%, that, yeah. that's egregious. Yeah. Well, thanks, Zach. I appreciate your time, brother. Love you guys. Love you too. See you, man. Good stuff. 608-321-1670. Of course. Twitter is at Zone Madison. You can watch us on Twitch as well. Twitch.tv. Just search my name, Ebo Says, and uh, opine away. You can watch us. So, Nelly, it is, it is remarkably crazy of how good Kirk Cousins is at noon games. You get him outside of noon games, though, and he – no, he just falters. But they only have, what was it, three or four games outside of noon. Now they could flex. Four. But and even if you look at that, those are some tougher games just in general, too. Yeah. Like, but I wouldn't be surprised if they went one and three in those four games. Agreed. They do have the first one's week five, and that's in Seattle against the Seahawks. That's a, that's a Sunday primetime game, 720. And then you got to jump all the way to week 10 where they get the Bears. No, they're in Chicago for Monday Night Football. And then right away back to Dallas Sunday for 325. That's week 11. Big Mike's going to work Zimmer per usual. You know it's true. Search your heart. And then uh, week 16, they go to New Orleans for a 330 kickoff against the Saints. Yeah, those are, those are all on the road. That's tough. Even if it wasn't, even if it was at noon, I still think they. And lose they those got games. a nice, they got a nice little spot for their bye, which is week seven, and it's right before they have yeah. to go to Lambeau, which Mike Zimmer's really good off of a bye. And if we looked at Lafleur, man, yeah, they go bye, then they go to Green Bay. It's a nice spot for them. Yeah, oof, that's not good for the Packers, but it's in Lambeau. So you got that going for you. I don't know, man. They talk about that, you know, the Packers out of that simulation 10,000 times. The Packers only won the NFC North 20.3%. That was third best. The Lions were last. Bears are above the Packers. But, again, those are simulations. Those are projections. Uh, We've seen a lot of those things be wrong. And despite – I mean, just look at the 2016 election. Every single poll had Hill Dog winning in a landslide. Last I checked – She's still crying on Twitter about not being president. The only thing I'm seeing, because I, I don't think the Bears are going to be very good this year, is they don't have that dif- difficult of a schedule. They they really don't. Yeah. Um, Packers, I saw, I was reading, uh, they, they ranked it out. I think Packers have a middle of the road when it comes to strength of schedule, how hard it is. Now, yes, it's on paper right now. But Packers were 
almost middle in the league of, you know, hard to easiest. Like so, they're t- the Bears' toughest games right now, if you're looking at it, is probably outside of this is outside of division. Colts, Tampa, New Orleans. That's probably about it. And all three of those games are all home. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess at Tennessee might be tough. So there's their one tough road game. Even Houston, that's at home. So I saw, I was just scrolling through Twitter last night. And I, I mean, it's not really a topic here. I just wanted to get your opinion on it. So this is from at Sportsline on Twitter, and they said they had a model. Now, when it comes to when it comes to models and projections and graphs and computer simulation and crunching the numbers, how 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 much do you fall in line with that, Rowdy? When it comes to a computer simulating something, uh, for like sports, for or? just anything in general, sports. Yeah, I mean, for the election stuff like that. You just take it with I, a grain of salt. Yeah, I think it holds a little bit of weight, but. Depending on the situation, sometimes I feel like it's pretty far-fetched. Yeah. I mean, you can go back to the 2016 election when it was a certain individual was supposed to just win in a landslide, according to all the polls, all the projections, all the computer simulations, and we saw what happened. That didn't happen, the computer simulation. We've seen other things where people simulate in sports entire seasons. Remember... Like oh we've we've done it so many times and this so and so is gonna come away with you know this game and the W like when the Packers were playing against like the Lions let's say for the Motown Miracle I think the Lions had like a ninety nine point nine percent chance of winning a game well guess what happened the Packers won that game remember that yeah I think I'd be more inclined to believing in a long term model like a Packers win win total than a short term model type model versus a, a Packers odds to win one game. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that, but also now it kind of makes me a little nervous. So sports line on Twitter, they had a model. They said our model simulated the NFL season 10,000 times. And here who has won the NFC North most often out of those 10,000 simulations. I won't tell you who won it first, but I'll tell you who lost it. In fourth place, the Detroit Lions. They won the NFC North 9.6% of the time out of 10,000 simulations. In third place, the Packers at 20.3% won the NFC North out of 10,000 simulated models. The Bears the second most, second in the division, 21.9% out of the 10,000 simulations. And 48.3%, that's how many times the Vikings won the NFC North out of 10,000 simulations, 48.3%. What do you think about that when it comes to a long-term graph? Nelson? I mean, that one doesn't surprise me. I We talked about this, what, the last couple days? Yeah. I think Minnesota's the best roster in the NFC North. I think they're the deepest team. But they have the Packers out of 10,000 simulations, the Packers only winning 20.3% of the time, or only winning the NFC North 20.3% of the time out of 10,000 simulations. The Bears won more percentage-wise than the Packers. Yeah, I don't I don't get the Bears. Mm-mm. I would love to know more, like, hey, was that with Nick Foles? Was that with Mitchell Trubisky? Now, they simulated it 10,000 times, so maybe they had a lot of stuff in there. So they say here, the Bears 
They say right here, although Minnesota lost Stephon Diggs, they replaced him with their first-round pick in Justin Jefferson. Green Bay won 13 games last year, but their point differential was more like a 9-7 and team. Plus, they drafted a quarterback in their first round. So, yeah, if you think about it last year, think of the luck the Packers had, which is a good thing. But if you look at the Packers' point differential last year, they were a 9-7 and team, not a 13-3 and team. Then they said the Bears should be better with Nick Foles and a third-place schedule rather than a first-place schedule. And the Lions should – I mean, this is a no-brainer right here. The Lions should be better with Matt Stafford healthy and some upgrades on their defense. So they had losing Stephon Diggs, not that big of an issue because they picked up the Vikings, that is, with the first-round pick, Justin Jefferson. The only negative I see right here, honestly, from Sportsline, is about the Packers. They give a positive about the the Vikings. I mean, it's kind of, I guess it's down the middle because they lost Stephon Diggs, but they got Justin Jefferson for the Vikes. The Packers, they just say their point differential is more like a 9-7 and seven team. They said the Bears are better with Nick Foles in a third-place schedule, and the Lions obviously better with Matt Stafford healthy and some upgrades on defense. I don't know, man. I don't know if it's time for a new model. They need to fix their model or if this could be a reality or if it's just one of those things like, hey, take this projection with a grain of salt despite them simulating the season 10,000 times and the Packers still ended up third. Hey, I mean, models need fixes too. Some nose jobs. <laughs> some some need to readjust 2.2 million. Some need a Brazilian butt lift, you know, and some need, <laughs> some need to tweak their algorithms. Let's go to the phone, 608-321-1670. What's up, Mark? Not too much. How are you guys today? We're doing good, man. How you been living? I've been living good, man. Living the dream. All right, day so you, you said you had some stuff for our guy Nelson over here, so I'm very intrigued. I do have two things. So number one is a story from work on Monday. Um, so we're listening to this trash on the radio that we listen to every day, and I'm trying to vouch to get a day of the week where I can listen to what I want. So... I'm talking to this girl. I'm like, yeah, I want to put on some sports talk radio. And she's like, no way. My cousin does sports talk radio. And I'm like, okay, cool. Who is it? And she's like, Nelson Gray's back. Do you know who that is? And I'm like, oh, my God, my favorite guy. And then she says, oh, yeah, and his mom is right there. So it turns out I work with your mother. What a small Uh, world. I know, right? No, just wanted to share that. Tidbit. That's awesome, man. And you, I, I, hopefully you got your way and was able to put the show on. I was not. It was too late for the show, <laughs> oh. but hopefully I can put it on today. Oh, so We'll see how that goes. we gotta tell, we got to tell Nelson to go get his cousin and his mom straight here. Put us on at all times. Yeah, I was told that story, but I wasn't sure. She was trying to say something about Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrows, and that didn't really go too well. <laughs> yeah, that was my second part. I was the guy who started that whole argument. Yeah, that was you, Mark, yeah. So I just wanted to revisit that and wanted to hear your take on that because I don't think I ever heard your take. I'm pretty sure I just heard Ebo and Joe's opinion on that. So and I what was the, what, what was the question again, Mark? I apologize. What was the question again? Would you would you trade Aaron Rodgers for Joe Burrow oh, yeah, straight yeah, up yeah. right now? Yeah. No. Nelson does not no. like Joe Burrow. I, I, yeah, I'm not as, as high in Joe Burrow as a lot of people. I had him ceiling wise as the third best quarterback in this draft behind Tua. And Jordan Love and the Packers already picked Love, so would you trade him for Tua then? Oh, for Tua, I still couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Mark, would you? I, but I also would have drafted a receiver. So I mean, what do I know? Yeah, I mean, I would have drafted a receiver ideally too. But I don't know. I, I think I'm firmly on the the Joe Burrow side of things here. To be honest with you, I just think Aaron is getting 
getting too old and you're going to have a huge window with, with Joe Burrow or even Tua if that's who you would prefer. But, you know, to, to each their own. So hey. everyone is calling me an idiot and stuff like that. Oh, people so, call us that all the time, Mark. You just take it, just take it and smile. I know. I was, I was heartbroken. But, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to share that with hey, you. Hey, let guys. me ask you, man. Is, uh, is Nelson's cousin a good worker? Yeah, she's really good. She's right, been training good. me, and I, I just started two weeks ago. So, oh, nice. Yeah, things have been really good. But well, tell her to step her game up and turn in the Joe Nebo show on, all right? I know. I absolutely <laughs> will. All right, see you, Mark. Good stuff, man. See ya. See ya. That's funny. Look at that small world, Nelly. Who's your, your cousin, what's her name? Uh, Aaron. Aaron. You got to get her boned up on uh, turning the Joe Nebo show on, bro. She's, Aaron's making Mark listen to tr- apparently trash on the radio. This is unbelievable. That's why he's trying to desperately get the, our show on. Being that it's a pharmacy, I'm going to go with it. It's probably like our sister Ooh, Magic station, 98. Magic 98. Okay, I take that back. I love me some Magic 98. In fact, some people call me Mr. Magic 98. You give me some, like a Tommy. No one calls Bob. you that. No one calls you that. I call myself that. <laughs> if they were to do like a calendar shoot, I would love to be front page. I would be wearing a Tommy Bahama shirt, some khaki shorts, some of those like leather sandals, you know, like the Velcro leather sandals, and some white tube socks. You I call me we were, Mr. Magic 98. I thought we were going to do Men of the Zone calendars. Oh, Men of the Zone will be different. I'm going to be wearing a banana hammock for that. Yeah, why do you think I started getting back into shape? <laughs> it was only for that shoot come Christmas time. All right, well, you start, You keep going, man. You keep going. Uh, Mitch says, here, we love Magic 98. Delilah on at night. Oh, Delilah. That's called a cougar. Hello, I'm going to be completely honest. I love me some Magic 98. Saturday at the 70s? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Turn it on and rip the knob off. If you go to a dentist's office, you better believe they're rocking Magic 98. The smooth, easy listening of adult contemporary music, my friends. And uh, we have a question from No Heart Nelson. What month would Charlie be on for a Men of the Zone calendar? More would be revealed. Well, we'd have to figure that one out. Like, when, what's the, we'd have to figure out what month is like the heaviest drinking month. Yeah, what's national <laughs> drinking month? I mean, I could ask him. He's on hold again. My man, Charlie. I know you're. I'll get to you, Charlie. Don't worry. No, I won't. So, all right, Nelly. Before all this, I do have some breaking news. Ooh, October for Oktoberfest for Charlie says the king. Breaking news. Someone need to explain this to me. I'm a little confused on it. The XFL, who, by the way, went bankrupt. The bankrupted XFL may have a potential buyer to come back and return. And here's the twist. It's like M. Night Shyamalan writing the the plot for this one. You want to know who the potential buyer for the XFL is? Vince McMahon. The guy who originally owned the XFL. Bankrupted XFL has a potential buyer to come back, and that potential buyer is Vince McMahon. How does that work? <laughs> Maybe it's not M. Night Shyamalan writing this twist. Maybe it's Vince McMahon writing the ultimate, ultimate higher power storyline that we all know and love, like the Attitude Era. What is one thing that wrestling does great, Nelson? It's the storyline. Do we know who bought it from him? Like I thought they, they just went to bankruptcy. Yeah, I thought they just kind of was like, oh yeah, here's bankruptcy. So uh, as the ba- the NFL was, they're looking for a buyer, and the buyer could be its founder, Vince McMahon. <laughs> I don't know how this works. Someone needs someone who's up to date on this kind of law stuff. I I'm not sure. Well, I I'll read you some stuff. 
uh, XFL creditors seem to believe that Vince McMahon is positioning himself to buy the league out of bankruptcy. Separately, the XFL president, Jeffrey Pollock, uh, has contacted stadiums in Seattle and St. Louis about reinstating the league's lease agreements. What are you going to say, Nelson? Nothing. I'm I, all I'm thinking of is Vince McMahon walking around with like uh, the veins popping in his head, but doing his best, Michael Scott. I declare bankruptcy! <laughs> bankruptcy! <laughs> you just can't declare it. This is insane. Vince McMahon, I think, is going to be buying the XFL, the original owner, out of bankruptcy. This sounds shady. Scotty was back to cooking books. Where's Scott? Is Scott cooking the books against Scott? I know you're listening. Are you cooking the books against Scotty? Vince McMahon, however shady this is, what a power move by McMahon. (laughs) The league. The XFL goes bankrupt. Vince then I'm McMahon gonna buy it back. It's like the wrestler that like gets knocked out and they they cart him off in the stroller, and then five minutes later, like you hear the music playing and he comes just sprinting out from backstage to go back in the ring and win the match. This is Vince McMahon. This sounds shady to me, but I love it kind of. The league. What is that? The the popular meme or the gif where the Undertaker all of a sudden pops up again, like he's alive. <laughs> yeah, this is like Vince McMahon th- doing the Undertaker. Rest in peace. Well, it's not gonna. It's not gonna. It's gonna. It's not resting anymore. And Vince McMahon gets his way. If you think about it, the league now has got some per- pretty pivotal staying value, don't they? Before the pandemic, people liked it. There was a lot of eyes on the TV. But now, if they're gonna get it going, and people are desperate for sports, I, I don't know what the timetable would be. I'm. I have no idea. I have no clue. But all I know is Vince McMahon is primed to potentially buy the XFL back out of bankruptcy. He, he sees. Do you that make the, money off this? I have no idea. He's hearing from uh, sources that the NFL is getting cold feet about potentially playing this upcoming fall, and he sees a little marketing genius. He's gonna buy the XFL back, be the only show in town. I don't. I honestly have no <laughs> idea how this works, but I I kind of like it. Why I kind of like it. Why would you even buy it back right now? <laughs> when, I have, I don't when know. football is going to be starting up, well, normally, like rookie training camps would be, what yeah. is that, normally right around these times, and then they'll have another training camp in July, and then obviously preseason starts in August. <laughs> so you'd be buying it back and obviously not playing. You'd be sitting on it for a while. Does anyone out there know bankruptcy laws? Because I would love to know more. I have no, I have no idea how to process this besides Vince McMahon is an incredible storyline writer. This is like this is prime and right from the WWE. What a storyline. The league, we're loving it. Yeah, does the product need a little work? Sure, but it had a lot of potential, right? We're loving it. And all of a sudden, what was it the Seattle was it the Seattle Dragons? Was that their name? Yeah, I think that was I one think of so. the teams. One of their vendors got popped with COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, oh God, it's all coming down. And then what happens? Eventually the season gets canceled. Then we get bankruptcy, and we're like, well, that was a cute little fun story for a couple weeks. Now, nothing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like, like Nelly said, The Undertaker rising up from his grave. There's Vince McMahon running down with some cash to buy it out of bankruptcy. Incredible. Someone, someone who knows about bankruptcy laws, please call in the 608-321-1670. I have no idea. Like the St. Louis Battlehawks, they were huge. Like, that was a huge... People gravitated towards that. Now, some other stadiums, not so much. 
Washington, D.C. wasn't too bad. They were still getting decent amount of uh, tickets sold. Yeah. Which is all that matters. Yeah.